We love preaching through books of the Bible at the project. And uh, quite some time ago, we actually, uh, in fact, March 2012 was when we first started preaching through books of the Bible. And it was the, uh, the book of Hebrews, 13 chapters. We ended up preaching 48 different messages out of 13 chapters. It took us 27 months to get through it. All right. Um, and Hebrews kind of looked at kind of fallen anthropology and uh, a bit and like what's humanity like in their, um, in their kind of fallen condition and how does God speak to that. Uh, we've done a couple of other things. Uh, we've, we've dipped our toe in the water of Psalms. Some of you would have been around for that. We did Ecclesiastes. But basically the bottom line is in, um, in five years, we've basically done three books. All right. So if you do your maths, like 66 books in the Bible, you're going to have to live to about 280 to uh, get the whole Bible at the project. After that, uh, we did a couple of things, and then we uh, moved on to Mark, and, and uh, 16 chapters in Mark. Uh, it took us 17 months to get through it, 42 messages, and there is a little kind of slither of hope in that, right? Because Mark's got more chapters than Hebrews, and we took less time, all right? So whether we're getting more efficient uh, or not, I'm not sure. Uh, and, and Mark really told us what does the gospel do? What is the, the news about Jesus? What does Jesus himself do with people who have fallen? Well, he redeems them and he changes them. And, uh, and what, what, what do they get changed into? That, that's kind of what uh, we're going into now with Ephesians. So we've got kind of fallen humanity, gospel. This is what we're meant to look like in terms of Ephesians. So uh, Jesus makes people insiders. He takes outsiders makes them insiders. Um, what does an insider look? Well, they look like what Ephesians talks about. Now, let me just set up a couple of uh, contextual things for uh, Ephesians. Ephesians is going to be a great book for us, and I'm really psyched about it. One of the reasons it's a great book is because it basically summarizes most of the stuff that Paul writes in the New Testament. All right? And he writes a bunch of books, and Hebrews kind of summarizes it and puts it in six chapters. Okay? Now, the difficulty with it is like Paul writes some of the longest sentences in the history of humanity. Um, all right, exaggeration, but there's some really long sentences in there and every sentence is like a T-bone steak, right? So I read a sentence and I go, yeah, like six sermons on that sentence, all right? But we're never getting through it if we go through it that slow, but we will take our time in places. Uh, really, really, uh, really good stuff in there. Another thing that's good about Ephesians is it doesn't actually address a specific issue. There's other... Uh, books in the Bible that, that address specific issues. Why does that help? Well, it helps because it makes it easier in a sense to apply the truth that's in it because uh, if it addresses a specific issue and you're sitting there going, yeah, well, I don't really have that one, it just means the preacher's got to work harder. So basically the preachers are lazy and we like the idea of actually getting a... a no, we're not really, but it's going to make it easier, all right? Um, in the uh, opening kind of... A preamble almost of Ephesians, it actually says to the church of Ephesus. Now, let, let me just give you a couple of other interesting little things here. Uh, Ephesus um, is basically in Western Turkey, okay? Now, the earliest manuscripts of uh, the, the letter to the Ephesians actually doesn't have the word Ephesians in it, right? So what commentators actually think is that Ephesus is one of the churches that the letter went to, but it was basically an encyclical. So Paul wrote this thing from God and it got sent around to a whole bunch of different churches. Uh, they think that Paul was in prison when he wrote it, probably written about 60 to 61 AD. And here's the best bit. Um, Ephesians is written to Gentiles. 
Does anyone know what a Gentile is? Us. Anyone who's not Jew, right? So which pretty much... Is there any Jews here? Excellent. So it's all of us, right? So that again makes it easy for us to kind of apply it or easier to apply it because it's already written to people who, uh, who are not Jews. So I wonder... Um, there's a couple of times in Ephesians, let me just read these quickly for you, where uh, Paul directly addresses Gentiles. In 2 verse 11, he says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles, he's actually talking to Gentiles, Ephesians 3, 1, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, this is good news, right? This is good news. So what I want to do is I want to uh, just, there's a, there's a chapter in Acts that tells us a little bit about the history of uh, Ephesus and Paul's involvement with it. I'd love to read a good slab out of that chapter. Is that cool? Um, well, you don't, well, is, is it okay? Do you, do you mind? Because I don't know what to do if we don't do it. Uh, have you got a Bible? There's, there's Bibles up the back. If you don't have it, you'll need one. If you do, go to Acts, um, Acts chapter 19. Acts 19, so uh, in the Bible, big numbers are uh, chapter divisions, small numbers are verses. So we're talking about uh, Ephesus in uh, Western uh, Turkey there. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who he is who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Listen to this. This continued for two years. Listen to this verse. So that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So somehow Paul's ended up becoming the pastor of Ephesus, basically, for over two years. And everyone hears about Jesus. And I'm going to read this next bit because I think this is funny. Uh, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick. And their diseases were left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. And some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognized, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them and overpowered them so they fled out of that house naked and wounded right quick tip if you go into a fight with clothes on and you come out without them you're lost all right it's pretty clear and it goes on to talk some more about that you get down to verse 21 there in your bibles there and you can see there that um the makings of a riot actually come about because the god of artemis uh, people are deserting the god of artemis go down to verse 23 
About that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way, for a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who had made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see in here that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, listen to this, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people saying that God's made with hands are not God's. And we would go, yeah, come on. Let's have some more of that, right? But these guys got fired up because that was their job. That was their livelihood. It's like he's turning people to Jesus away from Artemis and a riot almost happens, basically. Um, so what you get, I'm just going to stop there. What you get uh, when you think about uh, Ephesus and, and you look at Acts 19, you get the sense it's a very cosmopolitan and commercial city, uh, a very pagan city devoted to the Greek god Artemis. Uh, so you can imagine that a lot of the con- converts there are Gentiles. They're not actually Jews. Now, we're going to do something a little different today. Um, I want you to imagine that you're in the early church, all right? Just off for a minute. You're in Ephesus, all right? And you've heard word that God's spoken to Paul and he's written it down. And this is not like, you know, a church down the road where someone's got a word from the Lord. Like this is like legit, legit. Like God has actually spoken to Paul and Paul's written it down. And there's a, someone currying this message and they're coming with this scroll to the next church service that they have and they're going to stand up and read it out to the church. Would that be cool? It would be, right? Like there's a whole bunch of people that just go, man, if I could just talk to God and if he would have a direct kind of message to me, imagine that. Imagine being in Ephesus. It's like, what would you be like? Well, you'd probably be on the edge of your seat a bit, wouldn't you? So it's like, well, we're really going to tune in. At this point, you know, we don't want any static on this meeting. We're going to tune in because God's got something really specific to say to us uh, with this letter that's coming our way from Paul. And that was how they actually would do it most of the time in the early church. When there was a new letter, they would stand up and they would read it in church and people would listen. Now, we're going to do that today. All right. We're going old school because of the lights are out. We're going to go old, old school and we're just going to read the whole of the book of Ephesians today all right and that i reckon that would have been a church service for him and i've actually wanted to do it for years in the project but when you got books that are like 16 chapters long it's like oh, it's pretty long but maybe they would have done the 16 chapters anyway but i thought today we've got six chapters in ephesians uh, let's get into it who's with me now here's here's what you're going to need you're going to need uh can you grab a pen or a highlighter uh, i'm going to give you a copy of ephesians that looks like a letter Kind of. So it's got no chapter divisions, it's got no verses, okay? And you can, I'll tell you what, you can scribble, write, highlight, underline, do whatever you want to do to this copy, all right? I'll give you a few more instructions in a minute, but if you just want to grab one, everyone who can read, just take one, all right? I'm not looking for anyone to share, okay? We don't do that in church at the project, we don't share. I'm kidding, all right? I'm kidding. So here's what I want you to do. If you find something that impacts you, um, speaks to you, something you'd like to know more about, you might even find a word or a phrase where you just go, that's going to be fun. I want to be there for that message when Peter preaches on that because he's going to solve like a hundreds of years long controversy in about 45 minutes. 
All right? Like predestination might be one of those words. There's another part in Ephesians where it talks about Jesus going down into hell. It's just like, yeah, let's deal with all those controversies. We'll do that efficiently and quickly. You can uh, circle those. Does anyone, anyone need a pen? Lyndon's down the front here. He needs a pen. Can you stand up and be the pen courier? It's better than a drug courier. All right, just saying. How cool is it that they call those nine guys in Malaysia the budgie nine? I think that's so funny. It's just hilarious. How are we going? Has everyone got one? Everyone needs one. So if you haven't got one, because I'm going to ask you to do something with them at home over the next week. Oh, look at that. We have to share. Yeah. Look at that. Aren't you glad that Jesus never says that? I've got enough forgiveness for two more. (laughs) Thanks, mate. Are you ready? Now, the other reason why I want you to have a pen is I want you to listen actively. Okay? So, you get, seriously, part of you is just going to sit there and go, you either I've read it before or this is getting really boring. All right? And just, I'll just encourage you just to pick yourself up on that if you feel like that. Okay? Because what we're actually handling here is what God has to say and it's really, really important and relevant to us. Um, so, be, be a good hero today. That's really what I'm encouraging you. About halfway through, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop and I'm going to give just a few moments for people to throw in stuff that's kind of impacted them as we've gone through. All right. So if you're an introvert, you can just kind of build yourself up to that moment. Okay. It's it's coming in about seven minutes. Okay. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in the project in Ephesus. And are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, before I go, I go any further, right, I'll let you in on a secret. We did up these really lovely graphics for today. <laughs> and then got to the end of the week and realised we didn't have any power, so it was completely redundant, right? But you know the, uh, the name or the title of this series is In, all right? And because Ephesians is all about how you get in, <laughs> what you like when you're in, all right? How you're meant to operate when you're in, uh, what, everything that God did to get you in. All right, it's, it's just, it's in. So what I want you to notice as we read through, listen to how many times uh, Paul actually uses the word in to describe someone's status. He's already used it once, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, 
we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You were following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, man, underline this one. I mean, this is one of the precious lines in the whole of Ephesians for me so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus why did he save you so that he could be kind to you forever without end like that that is a mind blower for by grace you've been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast What about, I mean, what about the contrast? It's like, you don't get saved by works, but you're actually God's work. Look at this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles, you project people in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, we're just going to stop for 30 seconds or so. You know, you could argue that the start of the Jews was way back in Genesis chapter 12 with the promises to Abraham, right? And uh, they don't really know but it's, it could well be that Abraham lived about 2000 BC, all right? We're roughly 2000 AD. So 50% of human history, there's been God's chosen people, the Jews. And were we to live in those 2000 years, we would not be in, in that sense. 
Does, does that make sense? Like that, is, that is a massive historical reality. And I'll, I'll speak to that a little bit more later on, just in, in summarising our time here today. But uh, I don't think we get that. I don't think we get that. Um, so just note how precious this is, that we were once far off and strangers. Um, and that, he just drives it, doesn't he? At the end of that verse, having no hope and without God in the world. It's like, it's just, I'm going to put a couple more nails in the coffin because you're not coming out of that without Jesus. All right? Let's keep going. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off. That's us, right? We're the ones that are far off. And peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, Gentile project people, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, your family. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple to the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in order in other generations, it is, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places." This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power of work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I've stopped kind of at the middle, not in terms of the number of verses, but in terms of the, the way that 
Paul's talking. So he lays it all out in the first three chapters. And then he goes, because this is who you are, this is how a redeemed person operates. This is what a, how a truly human person actually operates. And we kind of kick into that. So let's keep reading, eh? I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. That's, that's exactly what Will was just saying there. With all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. That's ironic that we get a phone call in the middle of a thing about calling. Anyway, <laughs> just saying. Uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, rather... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous. I mean, just as we read this paragraph, I mean, I think this is a pretty good description of our culture, right? Other Gentiles. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour, for we are members of one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Listen to the ten- tenderness of this. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love 
as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Do you hear that? You are a saint, so operate like one. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Not too many people get off scot-free in this little passage. I don't know whether you notice that. It's going to wrap everyone up. Born servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleases, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, 
knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am doing and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. All right, here's what I'd love you to do. I'd love you just to take two or three minutes to turn to the person next to you and have a little conversation about something that stood out to you out of that, that book, out of that letter. Okay, so feel free. If you need to move seats, you can do that. If you want to just sit there and kind of read, reread pieces of it and just kind of chew it over, you're welcome to do that. But just take two or three minutes, have a quick yarn to someone. All right, we might... Um, I just want to uh, summarise, just close with a bit of a summary and, uh, and we'll sing and we'll be done for today. You know, I was thinking about this, I was thinking about us being Gentiles and our being included and all that sort of stuff and I'm just going, there's a real kind of mismatch there for Australians in Australian culture, all right? Uh, and I think part of the reason for that is uh, Australians like to think of themselves as kind of, there's no kind of tall... I like to cut down tall poppies, egalitarian, we're all kind of on the same level, everyone should be given a fair go, like there's none of this kind of talk about being in and out uh, as much in Australia. Um, when, when we have someone who acts like they're cool and like they're like the in, pe- in person, Australians generally just want to take them out, not for dinner, <laughs> all right? I just want to take them down and kind of destroy, pop their little bubble, um, I remember uh, I've been to Parliament House and I think this is a good example of it. You go down to Parliament House in Canberra and there's all these weird protocols, you know, and you just kind of get in there and you just go, what, what are we doing? We've got to do that? And then we've got to say that when we go in there or we've got to stand a particular way. Been to question time a couple of times and they have guys just kicking around making sure that everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing when they're watching question time happen, right? So we actually had some kids because um, I went with uh, school students from the school here and uh, usually, you know, you get year 12s on an eight-day camp and they don't sleep for like the first four days and then you're resolving conflicts for the next four, basically is how it works. 
But anyway, they're really tired. We went to question time and people, some of them fell asleep, right? And they got someone there who's just going around just, no, you don't do that either. You need to stay awake. And they go and they, they kind of go and give them a bit of a nudge, all right? It's kind of protocols of kind of being in. Some of you probably tried to read Leviticus, right? Anyone tried to read Leviticus? All right? Because Leviticus is all like what's in and out, all right? And this is what you've got to do to stay in. And, and if you don't do that and you do something else, you'll be out. And you've got to work out, okay, now I'm out. How do I get back in? What's the process for that? I, I mean, I'm, I'm really summarizing Leviticus. Some of you go, I've got this guy on heresy right now. But that's one of the main themes in Leviticus is like how to be in and, and all that sort of stuff, right? Now, I think Australians just, we're just not that familiar. We are still interested in being in, all right? We like to be in with fashion, Right? We know what in and out is with fashion. If you're a teenager in school, you know clearly what's in and out. Right? And who's in and out. And have, have you noticed that? It's like you can ask any... When I worked at the school here in the high school, you could ask pretty much any high school student and, and all you need to ask them is like, who's in and who's out? Right? They could tell you. And they could tell you why those people are in. All right? And then you have those terrible things which seem to happen with girls every day where... You can be in at the start of the day and then you're out by the end of the day. You have like seven best friends in the same day. Some girls kind of go through it like that. You guys are going, that's being a bit harsh. But it kind of happens. Any girls here know that's what happens sometimes? No, they're all going, no, you don't know what you're talking about, Peter. Um, so there's in and out. I'll tell you a couple of things that probably might get you in in our culture. Celebrity and, and being kind of famous and noticed and getting enough likes on Facebook and Getting attention, really. Um, that You might be in if you get that. Um, I, I still think money in Australia is something that gets you in, right? You've got a swanky house and a bunch of toys and that sort of stuff, but you're in the right estate and you drive a car through, those people are in, like, at some level. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to have those things, but that, that still kind of operates there for us. Um, See, part of the difficulty is if you look back to biblical culture, it's very much a community-driven kind of shame and honour society, right? And what we've done in the West is we've become really, really individual, individualistic and we don't care as much about what other people think. We only care about what they think when it says something about who we are, which is an interesting kind of shift. Now, the term Gentile originally described someone who was not a Jew. We covered that earlier. And there was a way that a Gentile could become a Jew. Does anyone know what that was? Get circumcised. As an adult, you'd really want to do that. All right? Listen to this. This is Exodus 12:48. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. It's like you want to celebrate the, the feast of the Passover with, uh, with the Jews, you got circumcised and all your clan, all right? So you can imagine that the Jews had this kind of um, exclusivity to them in terms of they were the ones that God actually chose. Now, what, what does human nature do to exclusivity? Does anyone know? Like they get arrogant, don't they? They get proud and arrogant about it. And that's kind of what happened a bit with the, uh, the Jews is they got proud and they got arrogant. And for half of the last 4,000 years, probably, they were the ones. You know? And so there was actually some animosity between the, the Jews 
and the Gentiles. You know, if we drill down even further than that, right, there's a sense in which you've got the Jew-Gentile split, right? But if we drill down even further than that, Genesis 3, where humanity falls, tells us that every human is an outsider now. Do you get that? No one's an insider. And everyone's badly an outsider. And you, go, you might go, well, I just care about being in, so I'm going to buy a Land Rover. Or I'm going to buy a Rolls Royce, right? I'm just telling you, being in like that is going to look really, really dumb on Judgment Day when Jesus comes back. All right? Because the only in that's going to matter on Judgment Day is being in God's family. Being in Christ. You with me? That's the only thing that's going to matter. And actually, in reality, that's the only thing that really matters in terms of being in right now. It's just that God's being kind and gentle toward people and not smoking them. All right? And I'm not talking about a pipe. All right? I want to use an illustration from uh, Tim Chester. Imagine this. Imagine this afternoon I get on a plane to England, all right? And I go to Buckingham Palace, okay? And I knock on the gates of Buckingham Palace and uh, assuming there's no guard there, which is there's always a guard there, right? But the guard comes up to me and says, what's up? Oh, they don't say that because they're English, right? But <laughs> he comes up to me and he goes, uh, he goes uh, how can I help? And uh, I say to him, well, listen, man, I'd, seriously, like all I really want, I just, can you reckon you can just kick open these gates here? Because I'd love to just go for a wander, actually. Just a bit of a, bit of a wander. Wouldn't mind checking out the grounds. If you can just unlock one of those doors over there for me, I'd love to just go in and just have a look through the palace. You know that I've heard there's some secret rooms in here that no one's ever seen. I just love to go into those secret rooms and I love to check those rooms out. What's he going to say? Yeah, that's right. Only in a coffin, basically. You know, maybe we'll take him. Maybe we won't even do that. You'll get into the courtyard and then we'll put you in a coffin from there. All right. You're not going to get in. You know what I want to... I want to suggest to you today is this. Have you heard of Kate Middleton? Have you? You know, when she was 15, I'm not saying that she did this, but if she went up to the gates of Buckingham Palace and knocked on the gates and asked for all of those things, she wouldn't have got them. She's only got them because someone called Prince William loved her and married her. And now she can walk everywhere. And we can sit here and we can go, she's, she's in right? She's in on the married family, you know, and this is exactly what God's done with you. It's he's come along in Christ. He's died on the cross for you. He's paid the penalty for your sins. He's invited you to be beloved children and you get the run of the house. You're in there. You're not outsiders anymore. And that's something to be really excited about. True? It is. And that's, that's really what the whole of Ephesians is about. It's like you're in your kids. Here's how kids work. Here's how a kid works who's a, a, a husband. Here's how a kid works that's a wife. Here's how a kid works that, that's a child in the family. Here's, here's how masters are meant to work. Do you see what he's kind of going through? And he's going, this is how it operates. We're not going to get tricked by stuff. We're going to speak the truth to each other. This is how God's family actually works. And it's really exciting because you're not an outsider anymore. And some of you go, yeah, I know that, right? But here's the truth. Sometimes you can still feel like an outsider, right? Does anyone know that? Even when you're an insider, you can still feel like an outsider. 
which is the grace of God to just keep speaking to you and his kindness to you to keep speaking to you and saying, no, you're an insider. You're one of my beloved children. And hopefully if you still have moments like that where you feel like an outsider, the first three chapters of Ephesians uh, by 2019 will really kind of ram that in. I'm kidding, all right? I'm kidding. <laughs>